0: Section twelve of the Arabian Night's Entertainments, volume three, translated by Jonathan Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry, the story of Abu Hassan, or the sleeper awakened, part two. At this discourse, Abu Hassan was persuaded that he was neither asleep nor in a dream, but at the same time was not less embarrassed and confused under his uncertainty what steps to take at last looking earnestly at masrur he said to him in a serious tone whom is it you speak to and call the commander of the faithful i do not know you and you must mistake me for somebody else any person but masrur would have been puzzled at these questions of abu hassan but he had been so well instructed by the caliph that he played his part admirably. "'My imperial lord and master,' said he, "'your majesty only speaks thus to try me. "'Is not your majesty the commander of the faithful, "'monarch of the world from east to west, "'and vicar on earth to the prophet sent of God? "'Misrur, your poor slave.' "'has not forgotten you after so many years "'that he has had the honour and happiness to serve "'and pay his respects to your majesty. "'He would think himself the most unhappy of men "'if he has incurred your displeasure, "'and begs of you most humbly to remove his fears, "'but had rather suppose that you have been disturbed "'by some troublesome dream.' "'Abu Hassan burst out laughing at these words "'and fell backwards upon the bolster.' which pleased the caliph so much that he would have laughed as loud himself if he had not been afraid of putting a stop too soon to the pleasant scene he had promised himself abu hassan when he had tired himself with laughing sat up again and speaking to a little eunuch that stood by him black as majore said hark ye tell me who i am sir answered the little boy modestly your majesty is the commander of the believers and God's vicar on earth. You are a little liar, blackface, said Abba Hassan. Then he called the lady that stood nearest to him. Come hither, fair one, said he, holding out his hand. Bite the end of my finger, that I may feel whether I am asleep or awake. The lady, who knew the caliph saw all that passed, was overjoyed to have an opportunity of strewing her power of diverting him went with a grave countenance, and, putting his finger between her teeth, bit it so hard that she put him to violent pain. Snatching his hand quickly back again, he said, I find I am awake and not asleep. But by what miracle am I become caliph in a night's time? This is certainly the most strange and surprising event in the world. Then addressing himself to the same lady, he said, I conjure you, by the protection of God, in whom you trust as well as I, not to hide the truth from me. Am I really the commander of the faithful?' "'It is so true,' answered the lady, "'that we, who are your slaves, are amazed to find that you will not believe yourself to be so.' "'You are a deceiver,' replied Abu Hassan. "'I know very well who I am.' As the chief of the eunuchs perceived that Abu Hassan now wished to rise, he offered him his hand and helped him to get out of bed. No sooner were his feet set on the floor than the chamber rang with the repeated acclamations of the officers and ladies, who cried out all together, Commander of the Faithful, God give your majesty a good day. Oh, heaven, cried Abu Hassan, what a strange thing this is. Last night I was Abba Hassan, and this morning I am the commander of the believers. I cannot comprehend this sudden and surprising change. Presently some of the officers began to dress him, and when they had done, Masrur led him through all the eunuchs and ladies, who were ranged on both sides, quite to the council-chamber door, which was opened by one of the officers. Masrur walked before him to the foot of the throne, where he stopped, and putting one hand under one arm, while another officer who followed did the same by the other, they helped him to ascend the throne. Abu Hassan sat down amidst the acclamations of the officers, who wished him all happiness and prosperity, and turning to the right and left, he saw the officers of the guards ranged in order, and making a fine appearance. The caliph, in the meantime, came out of the closet, and went into another, which looked into the hall, from whence he could see and hear all that passed in council, where his grand vizier presided in his place. What pleased him highly was to see Abu Hassan fill his throne with almost as much gravity as himself. As soon as Abu Hassan had seated himself, the grand vizier prostrated himself at the foot of the throne, and rising said, Commander of the Faithful." god shower down blessings on your majesty in this life receive you into his paradise in the other world and confound your enemies Abu hassan after all that had happened that morning at these words of the grand vizier never doubted but that he was caliph as he wished to be and without examining any farther how or by what adventure or sudden change of fortune he had become so immediately began to exercise his power, and, looking very gravely at the vizier, asked him what he had to say. "'Commander of the faithful,' replied the grand vizier, "'the emirs, vizier, and other officers of your council wait without till your majesty gives them leave to pay their accustomed respects.' Abu Hassan ordered the door to be opened, and the grand vizier addressing himself to the officers in waiting said chief of the doorkeepers the commander of the faithful orders you to do your duty when the door was opened the viziers emirs and principal officers of the court all dressed magnificently in their habits of ceremony went in their order to the foot of the throne paid their respects to abba hassan and bowing their heads down to the carpet "'saluted him with the title of Commander of the Faithful, "'according to the instructions of the Grand Vizier, "'and afterwards took their seats. "'When this ceremony was over, and they were all placed, "'there was a profound silence. "'The Grand Vizier, always standing before the throne, "'began, according to the order of papers in his hand, "'to make his report of affairs, "'which at that time were of very little consequence.' nevertheless the caliph could not but admire how abu hassan acquitted himself in his exalted station without the least hesitation or embarrassment and decided well in all matters as his own good sense suggested but before the grand vizier had finished his report abu hassan perceived the judge of the police whom he knew by sight sitting in his place stop said he to the grand vizier interrupting him "'I have an order of consequence to give to the judge of the police.' The judge of the police, perceiving that Abu Hassan looked at him, and hearing his name mentioned, arose from his seat, and went gravely to the foot of the throne, where he prostrated himself with his face to the ground. "'Judge of the police,' said Abu Hassan. "'Go immediately to such a quarter where you will find a mosque. Seize the imam and four old grey beards.' Give each of the old men a hundred bastinados, and the imam four hundred. After that, mount them all five, clothed in rags, on camels, with their faces to the tails, and lead them through the whole city with a crier before them, who shall proclaim with a loud voice, This is the punishment of all those who trouble their heads with other people's affairs. Make it their business to create disturbances and misunderstandings in families in their neighbourhood, and do them all the mischief in their power. My intention is also that you enjoin them to leave that quarter, and never to set foot in it more. And while your lieutenant is conducting them through the town, return, and give me an account of the execution of my orders. The judge of the police laid his hand upon his head to show his obedience, and prostrating himself a second time, retired to execute the mandate. The caliph was highly pleased at the firmness with which this order was given, and perceived that Abu Hassan was resolved not to lose the opportunity of punishing the imam and the other four old hypocrites of his quarter. In the meantime, the grand vizier went on with his report, and had just finished when the judge of the police came back from executing his commission he approached the throne with the usual ceremony and said commander of the faithful i found the imam and his four companions in the mosque which your majesty pointed out and as a proof that i have punctually obeyed your commands i have brought an instrument signed by the principal inhabitants of the ward at the same time he pulled a paper out of his bosom and presented it to the pretended caliph abu hassan took the paper and, reading it over cautiously with the names of the witnesses who were all people he knew, said to the judge of the police, smiling, "'It is well. I am satisfied. Return to your seat.' "'These old hypocrites,' said he to himself, with an air of satisfaction, who thought fit to censure my actions, and find fault with my entertaining, honest people, deserved this punishment.' The caliph all the time penetrated his thoughts, and felt inconceivable delight at his frolic. Abu Hassan, then addressing himself to the Grand Vizier, said, Go to the high treasurer for a purse of a thousand pieces of gold, and carry it to the mother of one Abu Hassan, who is known by the name of the debauchee. She lives in the same quarter to which I sent the judge of the police. Go, and return immediately.' The Grand Vizier, after laying his hand upon his head and prostrating himself before the throne, went to the High Treasurer, who gave him the money, which he ordered a slave to take, and to follow him to Abu Hassan's mother. To whom he gave it, saying only, The Caliph makes you this present. She received it with the greatest surprise imaginable. During the Grand Vizier's absence, the judge of the police made the usual report of his office which lasted till the vizier returned as soon as he came into the council chamber and had assured abu hassan that he had executed his orders misrur the chief of the eunuchs made a sign to the viziers the emirs and other officers that the council was over and that they might all retire which they did by making the same prostration at the foot of the throne as when they entered abu hassan descended from the caliph's throne and Mizrur went before him to show him the way into an inner apartment, where there was a table spread. Several eunuchs ran to tell the musicians that the sham caliph was coming, when they immediately began a concert of vocal and instrumental music, with which Abu Hassan was so charmed and transported that he could not tell what to think of all he saw and heard. If this is a dream, said he, it is a long one. But certainly, continued he, it is no dream, for I can see and feel, walk and hear, and argue reasonably. Whatever it is, I trust in God. I cannot but believe that I am the commander of the faithful, for no other person could live in this splendour. The honour and respect that has been shown me, and the obedience paid to my commands, are sufficient proofs of my exaltation. In short, Abu Hassan took it for granted that he was the commander of the faithful, but was still more convinced of it when he entered a magnificent and spacious hall, which was finely painted with the brightest colours, intermixed with gold. Seven bands of female musicians, more beautiful than the others, were placed round the hall, and as many gold chandeliers hung from the ceiling, which was painted with blue and gold, intermixed with wonderful effect. In the middle of the hall was spread a table covered with massive gold plates and dishes, which scented the apartment with the spices and amber wherewith the meat was seasoned. And seven young and most beautiful ladies, dressed in the richest habits, of the most vivid colours, stood round this table, each with a fan in her hand, to fan Abu Hassan when at dinner. If ever mortal was charmed, Abu Hassan was, when he entered this stately hall, at every step he took he could not help stopping to contemplate at leisure all the wonders that regaled his eyes and turned first to one side and then to the other which gave the caliph who viewed him with attention very great pleasure at last he sat down at the table and presently all the ladies began to fan the new caliph he looked first at one then at another and admired the grace with which they acquitted themselves He told them, with a smile, that he believed one of them was enough to give him all the air he wanted, and would have six of the ladies sit at table with him, three on his right hand and three on his left, and he placed them so that, as the table was round, which way soever he turned, his eyes might be saluted with agreeable objects. The six ladies obeyed, and Abu Hassan, taking notice that out of respect they did not eat, helped them himself, and invited them to eat in the most pressing and obliging terms. Afterwards he asked their names, which they told him were alabaster neck, coral lips, moon face, sunshine, eyes delight, hearts delight, and she who fanned him was sugar cane. The many soft things he said upon their names showed him to be a man of sprightly wit, and it is not to be conceived how much it increased the esteem which the caliph, who saw everything, had already conceived for him. When the ladies observed that Abu Hassan had done eating, one of them said to the eunuchs who waited, The commander of the faithful will go into the hall where the dessert is laid. Bring some water. Upon which they all rose from the table, and taking from the eunuch one a gold basin, Another a ewer of the same metal, and a third a towel kneeled before Abu Hassan and presented them to him to wash his hands as soon as he had done. He got up and, after a eunuch had opened the door, went preceded by Masrur, who never left him, into another hall as large as the former, adorned with paintings by the best masters, and furnished with gold and silver vessels, carpets, and other rich furniture. There, seven different bands of music began a concert as soon as Abu Hassan appeared. In this hall there were seven large lustres, a table in the middle covered with dried sweetmeats, the choicest and most exquisite fruits of the season, raised in pyramids, in seven gold basins, and seven ladies more beautiful than the others standing round it, each with a fan in her hand. These new objects raised still greater admiration in Abu Hassan, who, after he had made a full stop and given the most sensible marks of surprise and astonishment, went directly to the table, where, sitting down, he gazed a considerable time at the seven ladies, with an embarrassment that plainly showed he knew not to which to give the preference. At last he ordered them all to lay aside their fans and sit down and eat with him, "'telling them that it was not so hot, but he could spare them that trouble. "'When the ladies were all placed about him, the first thing he did was to ask their names, "'which were different from the other seven, and expressed some perfection of mind or body, "'which distinguished them from one another, upon which he took an opportunity, "'when he presented them with fruit and so on, to say something gallant. "'Eat this fig for my sake.' said he to Chain of Hearts, who sat on his right hand, and render the fetters with which you loaded me the first moment I saw you more supportable. Then presenting a bunch of grapes to soul's torment. Take this cluster of grapes, said he, on condition you instantly abate the torments which I suffer for your sake, and so on to the rest. By these sallies, Abu Hassan more and more amused the caliph, who was delighted with his words and actions, and pleased to think he had found in him a man who diverted him so agreeably. After Abou Hassan had tasted all the fruits in the basin, he got up and followed Misrour into a third hall, much more magnificently furnished than the other two, where he was received by the same number of musicians and ladies, who stood round a table covered with all manner of wet sweetmeats. After he had looked about him with new wonder, he advanced to the table, the music playing all the time till he sat down. The seven ladies, by his order, sat down with him, helped themselves, as he desired, to what they liked best, and he afterwards informed himself of their names, which pleased him as much as the others had done, and led him to say as many soft things to them, to the great diversion of the caliph, who lost not a word by this time the day beginning to close abu hassan was conducted into a fourth hall much more superb and magnificently furnished lighted with wax in seven gold lustres which gave a splendid light abu hassan found the same number of musicians here as he had done in the three other halls performing in concert in the most agreeable manner and seeming to inspire greater joy and he saw as many ladies standing round a table covered with seven gold basins filled with cakes dried sweetmeats and all such relishes as were calculated to promote drinking there he saw which he had not observed in any of the other halls a sideboard set out with seven large silver flagons full of the choicest wines and by them seven crystal glasses of the finest workmanship hitherto in the three first halls abu hassan had drunk nothing but water according to the custom observed at baghdad from the highest to the lowest and at the caliph's court never to drink wine till the evening all who transgress this rule being accounted debauchees who dared not show themselves in the daytime this custom is the more laudable as it requires a clear head to apply to business in the course of the day and as no wine is drunk till evening, no drunken people are seen in the streets in open day, creating disturbance in the city. As soon as Abu Hassan entered the fourth hall, he went to the table, sat down, and was a long time in a kind of ecstasy at the sight of the seven ladies who surrounded him, and were much more beautiful than any he had beheld in the other halls. He was very desirous to know their names, but as the music played so loud, and particularly the tambour that he could not hear them speak he clapped his hands for the musicians to cease when a profound silence ensued taking by the hand the lady who stood on the right next to him he made her sit down by him and presenting her with a cake asked her name commander of the faithful said the lady i am called cluster of pearls no name replied abu hassan "'could have more properly expressed your worth, "'and indeed your teeth exceed the finest pearls. "'Cluster of pearls,' added he, "'since that is your name, "'oblige me with a glass of wine from your fair hand.' "'The lady went to the sideboard "'and brought him a glass of wine, "'which she presented to him with a pleasant air. "'Abou Hassan took the glass with a smile, "'and looking passionately at her, said, "'Cluster of pearls,' I drink your health. I desire you to fill out as much for yourself, and pledge me. She ran to the sideboard, and returned with a glass in her hand. But before she drank, she sang a song, which charmed him as much by the sweetness of her voice as by its novelty. After Abu Hassan had drunk, he made another lady sit down by him, and presenting her with what she chose in the basins, "'asked her name, which she told him was Morning Star. "'Your bright eyes,' said he, "'shine with greater lustre than that star whose name you bear. "'Do me the pleasure to bring me some wine.' "'Which she did, with the best grace in the world.' "'Then turning to the third lady, whose name was Daylight, "'he ordered her to do the same, and so on to the seventh, "'to the extreme satisfaction of the Caliph.' When they had all filled him a glass round, Cluster of Pearls, whom he had just addressed, went to the sideboard, poured out a glass of wine, and putting in a pinch of the same powder the caliph had used the night before, presented it to Abu Hassan. "'Commander of the faithful,' said she, "'I beg of your majesty to take this glass of wine, and before you drink it, do me the favour to hear a song I have composed to-day.' and which I flatter myself, will not displease you. I never sang it before. With all my heart, said Abu Hassan, taking the glass, and, as commander of the faithful, I command you to sing it, for I am persuaded that so beautiful a lady cannot compose a song which does not abound with wit and pleasantry. The lady took a lute, and, tuning it to her voice, sang with so much justness, grace, and expression, that Abu Hassan was in perfect ecstasy all the time, and was so much delighted, that he ordered her to sing it again, and was as much charmed with it as at first. When the lady had concluded, Abu Hassan drank off his glass, and turned his head towards her to give her those praises which he thought she merited, but was prevented by the opiate, which operated so suddenly that his mouth was instantly wide open and his eyes close shut, and dropping his head on the cushions, he slept as profoundly as the day before, when the caliph had given him the powder. One of the ladies stood ready to catch the glass which fell out of his hand, and then the caliph, who enjoyed greater satisfaction in this scene than he had promised himself, and was all along a spectator of what had passed, came into the hall to them, overjoyed at the success of his plan. He ordered Abu Hassan to be dressed in his own clothes and carried back to his house by the slave who had brought him, charging him to lay him on a sofa in the same room without making any noise and to leave the door open when he came away. The slave took Abu Hassan upon his shoulders, carried him home by a back door of the palace, placed him in his own house as he was ordered, and returned with speed to acquaint the caliph. Well, said the caliph, Abu Hassan wished only to be caliph for one day, to punish the imam of the mosque of his quarter, and the four old men who had displeased him. I have procured him the means of doing this, and he ought to be content. In the meantime, Abu Hassan, who was laid upon his sofa by the slave, slept till very late the next morning. When the powder was worked off, he awoke, opened his eyes, and, finding himself at home, was in the utmost surprise. Cluster of pearls! Morning star! Coral lips! Moon face! cried he, calling the ladies of the palace by their names, as he remembered them. Where are you? Come hither! Abu Hassan called so loud that his mother, who was in her own apartment, heard him. "'and running to him upon the noise he made, said, "'What ails you, son? What has happened to you?' "'At these words, Abu Hassan lifted up his head, "'and looking haughtily at his mother, said, "'Good woman, who is it you call son?' "'Why, you,' answered his mother, very mildly. "'Are you not Abu Hassan, my son? "'It is strange that you have forgotten yourself so soon.' "'I, your son?' "'Old bull,' replied Abu Hassan. "'You are a liar, and know not what you say. "'I am not Abu Hassan, I tell you, but the commander of the faithful.' "'Hold your tongue, son,' answered the mother. "'One would think you are a fool, to hear you talk thus.' "'You are an old fool yourself,' replied Abu Hassan. "'I tell you once more, I am the commander of the faithful.' and God's vicar on earth.' "'Ah, child!' cried the mother. "'Is it possible that I should hear you utter such words, and show you are distracted? What evil genius possesses you, to make you talk at this rate? God bless you, and preserve you from the power of Satan. You are my son, Abu Hassan, and I am your mother.' After she had used all the arguments she could think of to bring him to himself, and to show how great an error he was in, she said, Do not you see that the room you are now in is your own, and is not like the chamber in a palace, fit for the commander of the believers, and that you have never left it since you were born, but lived quietly at home with me? Think seriously of what I say, and do not fancy things that are not nor ever can be. Once more, my son, think seriously of it. Abu Hassan heard all these remonstrances of his mother very patiently, holding down his eyes, and clapping his hands under his chin, like a man recollecting himself, to examine the truth of what he saw and heard. At last he said to his mother, just as if he was waking out of a deep sleep, and with his hand in the same posture, I believe you are right. Methinks I am Abu Hassan. You are my mother, and I am in my own room. Then looking at her again, and at every object before him, he added, I am Abu Hassan. There is no doubt of it, and I cannot comprehend how this fancy came into my head. The mother really believed that her son was cured of the disorder of his mind, which she ascribed to a dream. "'began to laugh with him, and ask him questions about it. "'When suddenly he started up, and looking crossly at his mother, said, "'Old sorceress, you know not what you say. "'I am not your son, nor you my mother. "'You deceive yourself, and would deceive me. "'I tell you, I am commander of the faithful. "'And you shall never persuade me to the contrary.' "'For heaven's sake, son,' said the mother, Let us leave off this discourse. Recommend yourself to God, for fear some misfortune should happen to us. Let us talk of something else. I will tell you what happened yesterday, in our quarter, to the imam of the mosque, and the four sheikhs, our neighbours. The judge of the police came and seized them, and gave each of them I know not how many strokes with a bastinado, while a crier proclaimed that such was the punishment of all those who troubled themselves about other people's business, and employed themselves in setting their neighbours at variance. He afterwards led them through all the streets, and ordered them never to come into our quarter again. Abu Husan's mother little thought her son had any share in this adventure, and therefore had turned the discourse on purpose to put him out of the conceit of being the commander of the faithful. But instead of effacing that idea, she recalled it, and impressed the more deeply in his mind that it was not imaginary, but real. Abu Hassan no sooner heard this relation, but he cried out, I am neither thy son, nor Abu Hassan, but certainly the commander of the believers. I cannot doubt after what you have told me, know then that it was by my order the imam and the four sheikhs were punished and i tell you i am certainly the commander of the faithful therefore say no more of its being a dream i was not asleep but as much awake as i am now you do me much pleasure to confirm what the judge of the police told me he had executed punctually according to my order i am overjoyed that the imam and the four sheikhs those great hypocrites, were so chastised, and I should be glad to know how I came here. God be praised for all things. I am certainly commander of the faithful, and all thy arguments shall not convince me of the contrary. The mother, who could not imagine why her son so strenuously and positively maintained himself to be caliph, no longer doubted but that he had lost his senses, when she found he insisted so much on a thing that was so incredible, and in this thought said, I pray God, son, to have mercy upon you. Pray do not talk so madly. Beseech God to forgive you, and give you grace to talk more reasonably. What would the world say to hear you rave in this manner? Do you not know that walls have ears?' These remonstrances only enraged Abu Hassan the more, and he was so provoked at his mother that he said, Old woman, I have desired you once already to hold your tongue. If you do not, I shall rise and give you cause to repent all your lifetime. I am the caliph and the commander of the believers, and you ought to credit me when I say so. The good woman, supposing that he was more distracted than ever, abandoned herself to tears, and beating her face and breast, expressed the utmost grief and astonishment to see her son in such a state. Abu Hassan, instead of being appeased or moved by his mother's tears, lost all the respect due from a son to his mother. Getting up hastily, and laying hold of a switch, he ran to his mother in great fury, and in a threatening manner that would have frightened any one but a mother so partial to him, said, Tell me directly, wicked woman, who I am. I do not believe, son, replied she, looking at him tenderly and without fear, that you are so abandoned by God as not to know your mother, who brought you into the world, and to mistake yourself. You are indeed my son, Abu Hassan, and are much in the wrong to arrogate to yourself the title which belongs only to our sovereign lord, the caliph Harun al-Rashid, especially after the noble and generous present the monarch made us yesterday. I forgot to tell you that the Grand Vizier Jafir came to me yesterday, and putting a purse of a thousand pieces of gold into my hands, bade me pray for the commander of the faithful, who had sent me that present. And does not this liberality concern you more than me, who have but a short time to live?' At these words, Abu Hassan grew quite mad. The circumstance of the caliph's liberality persuaded him more than ever that he was caliph, remembering that he had sent the vizier. "'Well, old hag,' cried he, "'will you be convinced when I tell you "'that I sent you those thousand pieces of gold "'by my grand vizier Jaffir, "'who obeyed my commands, "'as I was commander of the faithful?' but instead of believing me you endeavour to distract me by your contradictions and maintain with obstinacy that i am your son but you shall not go long unpunished after these words he was so unnatural in the height of his frenzy as to beat her cruelly with his cane the poor mother who could not have thought that her son would have come so soon from words to blows called out for help so loudly that the neighbours ran in to her assistance. Abu Hassan continued to beat her at every stroke, asking her if he was the commander of the faithful, to which she always answered tenderly that he was her son. End of section 12